just want to ask you one question. What do you want to be remembered for? Tilt Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast. This is your host, Jacob Sanderson, FF underscore RTDB on Twitter, and I'm back with another solo edition of the Full Tilt DFS Podcast this week. Tom has been rewiring his entire house and working his butt off to make sure that everything in his house and in his life and in his podcast zone is all up to snuff, so Big Billy and I have been carrying it through this week. I'm going to make this a shorter podcast since I know it's a little tough sometimes to listen to one person talk to themselves like a crazy person, but uh, I'm going to go through some of the major games, I'm going to go through some underrated games, and then rather than doing sort of a more philosophical strategic section, at the end before I give my plays, we're just going to go through, kind of like I did last week, um, a hands-on build here of taking... How do we get up to a cash lineup? Who goes in the cash lineup this week? And then how do we convert that cash lineup to a pretty chalky tournament build and then to maybe a little bit more of a contrarian tournament build that you could play in a large field GPP? First thing I want to start off the show with, I want to give a shout out to my friend Lindsay who watched this show. Hey, Lindsay, how you doing? He said that I say the term chalky a lot, which I probably do. Obviously, it comes up here, but... We were wondering, what does Chalky actually mean? You know, obviously we know what it means. It means a highly played player, but where did it come from? And we looked this up. So for anyone that wants to know what a Chalk play means, back in the day when horse tracks used to not have computerized systems, all of the odds would just get updated on chalkboards. And similar to today, the favorites would get bet on the most, and so they'd have to keep updating the odds as there's more and more bets. And it got to a certain point where they'd have to keep erasing this chalk over and over and over and over and over again to update the odds, so you could barely even see the odds because the chalkboard was so full of this white chalk dust from all the previous odds. So they would say that these favorites would become so bet on over and over again that they actually just became chalky because you couldn't even see them. So... There you go. The more you know here on the Full Tilt DFS podcast. Let's get into it. So, some big games this week. Big games this week. What are we looking at? We're looking at, in my opinion, I think the three most, well, maybe the four most owned games of this week. And it's still just early Saturday morning, so I think we have somewhat of a grasp on some of the ownership this week, but we still don't really know. You always want to check in on a Sunday morning, but I think we're looking at Cincinnati-Tennessee. That's probably my favorite game of the week from just a points-per-dollar standpoint. Cleveland-Oakland, San Francisco-Seattle, of course, is the big late game, and then Minnesota-Green Bay. I think those are going to be the four 
that are most highly owned. And like we talked about in previous weeks, you got to figure out which games you want to get in on, which games you're okay being a little bit underweight on compared to the field. And then even when you're in, you got to figure out how to attack it in unique ways. But for now, I just want to talk about these games here. So Cincinnati, Tennessee, I hope that that game goes a little bit under the radar, but I doubt it. You know, I love it when the, the underdog team is at home in a game like this. Hopefully it keeps the spread tighter. But Tennessee's a seven-point favorite in Cincinnati. Neither of these defenses have been at all inspiring. And something that I really love with this game is that, you know, the Tennessee side with A.J. Brown and with Derrick Henry has two big expensive pieces to consider playing. But with Cincinnati, you know, all the pieces are so affordable. Tyler Boyd, 6,400. T. Higgins, 6,000. Even A.J. Green, kind of in play, right? He has a, he has a profile that puts him kind of back into play here these last couple of weeks at $5,900. And then Giovanni Bernard, of course, is super cheap still at $5,900 with Joe Mixon out. So I think, you know, in terms of popular pieces here, I think both quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, Ryan Tannehill, will be popular. I expect Giovanni Bernard to be very popular after he paid off last week as a cheap running back. I think Joni Smith is overpriced at $6,100, and he hasn't done anything in a couple weeks, so he might be a possible leverage point. And, you know, I think A.J. Brown is going to be highly owned. I think he's worth owning. But, you know, the variance can hit anybody. Derrick Henry, of course, is always one of the banes of my existence in DFS because he's $9,500 this week, the most expensive running back on the slate, and he's in an incredible matchup. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to quote this from Jim Saunas from Number Fire, and the way he says he approaches Derrick Henry is you figure out what the percentage is that he'll kill you if you don't use him, and then that's just how much you use. And maybe that's what I have to start building in. I think maybe I've been overcomfortable full-fading him when he gets in this kind of spot where he's going to be really highly owned and he's really highly priced. But for me with Derrick Henry this week, honestly, I'm going to be a bit of a servant to the ownership. If the field really wants to play Derrick Henry this week, and I could see it because there's not a ton of running backs I love and love this week, not a ton in as good of a spot as he's in, then I just don't know if I can get there. I don't know. I don't know if I want to be ever overweight on Derrick Henry when he's highly owned at this kind of price. I just can't do that. But I'm definitely not going to full fade like I did a couple weeks ago. And if you're going to play Derrick Henry, you just got to figure out ways to get creative, I think. And you've got to know that he could really hurt you if he doesn't score multiple touchdowns because of the receiving issues. But you're going to have a lot of popular pieces in this game. We're going to talk about maybe how to get uh, get a little bit unique with constructions around this game, but I love this game quite a bit. Cleveland-Oakland, uh, this is a game here with a lot of affordable pieces once again, and I'm interested to see how popular this game is because I think the quarterbacks are tough to stack. Baker Mayfield looked phenomenal last week, but I'm still not at a point where I'm comfortable st- stacking a game with Baker Mayfield because he really needs it to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Otherwise, they just want to run the ball. And we got that last week. We got a Baker Mayfield ceiling game last week. But I don't know if I want to pay up for, for him this week right after his first ceiling game of the year, really. What's going to be interesting here is you've got a lot of bargains on the Cleveland wide receivers, right? With no Odell Beckham Jr. anymore. Jarvis Landry, $5,800. Probably going to be a safe bet for 8 to 10 targets. He looks like a really nice deal. And then you go down to Rashard Higgins at $5,500, Donovan Peoples-Jones at 52 And remember, 
when OBJ and Landry were both healthy early in the season, the number three wide receiver on this team wasn't Higgins, and it wasn't Peoples-Jones. It was Kaderil Hodge. Now, I don't know how active he's going to be, but he comes off IR this week, and he's only $4,500 at the minimum price. I'll tell you what. I'm going to make a couple Kaderil Hodge lineups. Right? I really can't tell you how this is going to go. They could easily have seen Higgins and Peoples-Jones look really great last week, and they go, all right, you know, we're just going to roll with them. And Hodge is coming off a hamstring injury, so he could be totally uninvolved. But would it totally shock me if the guy who was playing ahead of Higgins and Peoples-Jones goes back in there and starts getting a lot of looks as a number two wide receiver? Wouldn't shock me. He's going to be $4,500, and I bet you his ownership will be a fraction of what the ownership is on Higgins, and he'll probably be a lot less owned than Peoples-Jones. So that's a one possible leverage point to explore. And we can get in there a little bit later. I wouldn't want to do a lot of lineups with him or anything, but I'll probably want to take some stabs. On the Oakland side, I think we're looking at two very popular plays this week, probably with Jacobs and with Waller. The only thing that might you know, keep Jacobs' ownership within reason at all is I think Hunt's going to be very popular too, and people probably won't want to play Hunt and Jacobs together. I'm not totally against it because Hunt could be used in the passing game, but I only really like to stack running backs together when both are equally good in negative or positive script, and Jacobs needs positive script. I'm more likely to play Carr than Mayfield, but I'm definitely not going to try and force it to full stack this game, but I'll play a lot of mini stacks. Waller is, I think, the best point per dollar tight end on the board this week at $6,800 and a great matchup. But I assume he will be very popular. I'm hoping that Kittle being there at 77 and Andrews at 7,000 and Kelsey on the board keeps Waller's ownership a little down. But I'm not so sure about that. I think you can go to the cheap Cleveland tight ends this week. Njoku and Harrison Bryant both were really involved last week at 5K, especially Harrison Bryant. And then, you know, we'll get into maybe some ways to get off of Waller in the Oakland receiving game. But Ruggs, $5,700. Always has a lot of upside, and Aguilar really has a phenomenal role these last few weeks. He's only 5K. So I think those are some interesting options to play this game without taking on the full chalk of Darren Waller or Kareem Hunt and those guys that are going to be more popular. San Francisco-Seattle, you know, this is a game where this like isn't really based on data at this point. But I have a sneaky feeling that this game isn't going to be as owned as, as I feel like it should be. It's just because it's really murky, right? I think once we know exactly what's going on in these backfields, it's going to get clearer. But, you know, a pretty clear stack usually when people want to game stack something is they want to go, okay, I'll play the quarterback, I'll play two wide receivers or the running backs so that I can then play in a, a wide receiver that's not in this game. Or maybe you do quarterback, two wide receivers, and a tight end, and I think that'll work really nice with Kittle here. But the issue is it's going to be really hard to trust any running backs in this game right? Because this game kicks off late, we might not even know what running backs are available. So if you're playing any of these running backs, you have to be comfortable with looking at late swapping when the inactives are announced. Because on both sides here, Jeff Wilson's out. So the San Francisco backfield looks like it's Hasty, McKinnon, and then possibly Tevin Coleman, who's expected to be activated. And on the Seattle side, I really don't know. Carson at $7,600. Of course, if he plays, he's the He's a priority play, but you know how active or effective he'll be playing with a foot sprain, I'm not sure. And then you go down to Hyde, who would be a good play if Carson was out, but he's actually doubtful, so I think he's the only one we can sort of safely assume won't play. 
And then Travis Homer might be next up or DJ Dallas, both of whom are very, very cheap. I think if both Hyde and Carson are out, I'm okay taking some speculative stabs at Homer and at Dallas. And if Homer and Carson and Hyde are out, then I'm very, very comfortable playing DJ Dallas because he's the only running back there. But it's going to be tough to build lineups with any of those assumptions unless we get word before noon. So at this moment in time, I'm probably going to try and stay away. And what I would want to do is, is look for opportunities to late swap to this when inactives are announced. And so I would want to maintain some flexibility there if I can on certain lineups. But I don't want to get locked into playing a running back who might be inactive, of course, or a backup running back who might be irrelevant if the other guy becomes active. So what is going to be popular in this game? I think George Kittle will be fairly popular in this game. You know, Lockett coming off of a berserk performance, I think will be popular. I think Ayuk, I hope, isn't too, too popular, but I would expect him to be without Debo Samuel, and he went for 115 yards last week. Regardless, I think Ayuk is a fantastic play this week. I think Kittle's a solid play this week. The Seattle wide receivers, like I, I have to assume that Metcalf is going to be much less owned this week. Lockett's $500 cheaper. And he just went completely slate-breakingly berserk on an island game last week. So I think Metcalf is going to be probably the better play this week if his ownership comes in at about half of Lockett's and you can find the extra $500. I think you would want to try and make it a priority to get Metcalf in because I still view these two pretty equally this year. I honestly still view Metcalf slightly above Lockett in a vacuum. I think Lockett probably has an easier matchup this week. But Metcalf could easily go off, and I just want to kind of play the one that's less owned if I think they have an equal shot to go off, and I can have the salary to play either. The quarterbacks, like, I'm pretty okay playing Garoppolo this week. I think it's possible you can play Garoppolo this week. You know, if Seattle gets out up front and they actually have to chase points, Garoppolo can pay off, and he'll give you access to a really popular game in probably a way that will be a lot less popular. Because I think how people will want to attack this game is they'll play Russ, and then they'll probably play Metcalf or Lockett or both. And then they'll probably want to run it back with Ayuk or with Kittle. I think that's how you're going to see it. So if you can play this game if you want to and flip the script a little bit and play a lineup that goes like Garoppolo, Ayuk, Kittle with a Metcalf bring back, I think that might be you know, maybe a way to get, to get off of the chalk a little bit with this one. I also think you could even consider doing something with like Kendrick Bourne, frankly, um, just because Debo Samuel's out. Bourne's going to be running routes. And what if he's the one that gets a touchdown instead of Brandon Ayuk? The other game that I think is going to be pretty popular this week is Green Bay, Minnesota. I'm not quite as into this game for a couple of reasons. One is that the favorite, Green Bay, is playing at home. And it's a, second, it's a secondary divisional matchup, right? This is the second time they've played. Usually, when you get the second divisional matchup, it tends to be a little bit tighter. It tends to be more defensive. That's, that's generally shown to be the case over time. And also, like I've said before, I don't love games when the favorite is the home team because there's just such a big possibility. And when I say the favorite, I mean like the favorite if they played on a neutral field, right? If they played on a neutral field, Green Bay would be heavily favored over Minnesota. Now they're playing in Green Bay. To me, there's just too much of a possibility that Green Bay routes them. I know the spread is only six points. And maybe we just listen to Vegas on that and we assume that it is going to be a closer game. But I'm still concerned that we could get kind of what we got last week where, you know, 
Green Bay gets off to a really hot start and the other side just isn't able to keep up. And so that game never really got there. Obviously, if you played Adams, if you played Jamal Williams, that absolutely got there. But, you know, if you tried to run it back with Houston, unless you played Randall Cobb, probably didn't get there, right? David Johnson was fine, not excellent. Watson, fine, not excellent. Fuller kind of busted a little bit and Cook for sure busted last week. So I have some concerns that if you do want to go with this game, you know where you're going with Green Bay, right? You want to go Rodgers, Williams, Adams. You can play MVS, although he didn't get a single catch last week, so it's a little bit tough to trust. On the Minnesota side, Cook at $9,200. Like from a points per dollar perspective, he's just way too expensive to play because he's going up against Green Bay. He's a touchdown underdog. And at $9,200, more expensive than Kamara, you know, it's really hard to justify Cook. I would never play him in a cash game lineup. That being said, from a tournament perspective, you know, if you want access to this game and you want to flip it on its head a little bit and you want to fade Kamara, who I'm sure will be very popular, Henry, who I'm sure will be very popular, play Cook right in between them. Green Bay's a pretty weak rush defense. And what if Minnesota's able to keep pace, right? You could play Dalvin Cook with Rodgers and Adams, and that's not necessarily a bad stack when I think a lot more people will want to play Thielen or Jefferson as the bring back. I can't get the Kirk Cousins, so I can really only stack this game one way. But I do think if you're going to do it, I think playing Cook as a pivot off of Henry and Kamara and allowing you to get at you know Adams or Williams is a way to do that. It's going to be in a very expensive build, so it's not the easiest to get to because Adams at 9,100 to Cook at 9,200, that puts you over 9,000 twice. But I think that there are affordable ways to do that, right? We talked about Kaderil Hodge, the Saints wide receivers. They're really underpriced this week because of Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders and Marquez Callaway all being out. So I think that there's options to get cheap elsewhere and you could build a Rodgers, Williams, Cook, Adams lineup. And I think that would be an interesting build structure. I'm going to build some of those this week. Honestly, I'm at the point with Green Bay, Minnesota, where to me, the only way that this game pays off is if Minnesota is able to keep it close or get ahead early, right? And if they're able to do that, then Cook against Green Bay is a phenomenal matchup, right? Cook's matchup this week is good. It's a game script that's bad. So I'm assuming that if this game gets there, that Cook has to be a part of it. So I'm probably only playing this game with Cook because I think that gets me access. It will probably allows me to be underweight on this game, which I think I want to be overall. But it still gets me to be overweight on Cook, I think, because I think he's going to be underowned. So I'm going to be doing... Green Bay triple stacks with a Cook run back versus Green Bay triple stacks with a Thielen or a Jefferson more often. And I think that's going to be a way to get access to this game in a creative way. A couple other games I want to talk about quick. You know, Pittsburgh-Baltimore, I think it's going to be not as popular this week just because both of those defenses are so good. So when people are building through their lineups, they're going to see the opponent defense rank and it's going to scare people off, I think, fairly but I usually am pretty comfortable. I'm pretty comfortable looking at games with two really good offenses, even if the defenses are also really good, because I think in general, good offenses will still be able to get points against good defenses, especially if it's a back and forth game and teams have to play with pace and urgency. And could this game totally bust? Absolutely. But I could definitely see a scenario where these offenses are just better than these defenses, and this game actually does get there. And you're able to, you know, get access to a lot of interesting pieces. 
Baltimore, no Mark Ingram. I still probably can't really rely on Dobbins or Edwards because they're still going to be splitting carries. They're still going to be splitting carries with Lamar Jackson, and they just don't get enough pass work. So Dobbins over Edwards for sure for just pure upside if you had to pick one, but I'd prefer probably neither. Connor is a tough sell, but where I'm probably looking more so at this game is Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool off of a bust week in a tough matchup could be interesting because he's always got a lot of raw upside and I'm just always into playing Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews in tournaments because while their floor is very poor, their ceiling is always immense. So I'm always open to that. And then the last game I really want to focus on is the Chargers and the Broncos. It's got a low over under at 44 and a half, but it's got a pretty tight spread. The Broncos are just three and a half point underdogs. And this might be, in my opinion, the last time to play the Chargers at any sort of under-owned capacity. This offense is an absolute blast. This defense has really regressed from what our expectations were. And I think while everyone is in on Herbert now and everyone's in on this Chargers offense now, I think people might be scared off by Denver. They've looked so bad offensively the last two weeks. But that was against two elite defenses in the Patriots and in the Chiefs. And last week also had a lot of weather concerns. So I think now with everyone healthy, with Fant back to being fully healthy and Hamler, Judy, Drew Locke, you know, Tim Patrick is questionable. But with Fant, Judy, Hamler, and Locke, I think it's very plausible that Denver could keep points, could keep pace in this game and put up some points in this game or at least enough to keep the Chargers throwing. And so I'm going to be looking at some hopefully under-owned game stacks of this one where I'll play Herbert with Allen, you know, or Herbert with Allen with Henry, Herbert with Allen with Williams, and bring it back with a Judy, or possibly a Hamler if there's no Patrick, certainly with a Fant. And if Philip Lindsay is out this week with a concussion, which he's questionable, then I'm very open to playing Melvin Gordon. All right, those are the games I wanted to talk about today. Now let's build some lineups. All right, let's have some fun and build some lineups. So I want to start off, I think, how you guys should start off, right? I really want to work through this process of how I get to, you know, constructing a lineup. And maybe you have your own process and that works better for you. But for people that are possibly starting out, I just want to go through that. So I always start by building a cash lineup. And if this is the first episode you're listening to, a cash game just means everyone that wins wins the same amount of money. So a cash game could apply to head-to-head battles. It could apply to a double-up. It could apply to a triple-up contest. You know, it could apply to a top 50% win contest. Once we start getting into, like, you know, quintuple-ups or five-men, those are kind of cash games, but they're kind of not because, you know, then you still have to finish in the top 20%, right? But when I'm talking cash games, I'm usually talking double-ups or head-to-heads where you just want to play the best plays and it doesn't matter about ownership because you don't need to come in first. You just want to play the best points per dollar plays. I start with a cash game build for this reason. Number one, I think the most important thing on a slate is just to identify the best plays, right? If you identify the best plays, that does a couple things for you. One, helps you figure out what players you want to make sure that you have in your lineups, right? What chalk you're really comfortable with And it also gives you, even more importantly, a really good insight into probably how a lot of the field is building. 
because most of the lineups that you'll see in tournaments, a lot of them will be just totally intentional cast lineups that are tossed into tournaments. Others will be people that don't really know how to do correlation, so they're just throwing cash lineups into tournaments unintentionally. And then other times you'll see what we're going to build, which is basically a cash lineup with a little bit of a correlation on top of it. Once you know that construction, that's where you can actually get leverage because then you know, okay, what if I just want to flip the build entirely and I can get access to a whole new set of players because I'm going off of a totally different construction? Or... What if I want access to some of these cashy players, but what pivots can I make to get access to some of these in a less popular lineup? So let's go through and build a cash game lineup, all right? I always play three cash lineups, just for what it's worth. And I usually try to keep a core of about half that lineup that's in all three, and then I just mix up some of the parts that I'm less certain about. And I'm almost always rotating a defense and a tight end because the variance is so high. So... My base cash lineup this week, and I'll go through sort of my considerations for guys. At running back, it really is only three guys that I'm playing in cash this week. It's Kamara at 9K, it's Hunt at 8.2K, and it's Geo at 5.9K. Again, this is all FanDuel pricing. I'm sure that on DraftKings, I would probably build a somewhat similar lineup because the pricing usually isn't that far off. To me, those are the three guys that I know are going to be locked in 20 plus touches they get receiving work they get goal line work they get a really high snap rate and geo of course is also very cheap you know henry doesn't get the pass game work he'll never be in a cash lineup cook as an underdog i can't do it jacob similarly i i just can't do that because game script concerns same with taylor i think jamal williams is in play at 7k but to me he has a similar enough profile to geo that i would rather just get the 1100 in savings Gaskin at 5.7 I think is actually a play for cash based on workload. But just against the Rams, I just don't like the matchup as much. So I'd rather play Geo against Tennessee in a cash lineup. But really, those are the only five guys I would consider, quite frankly, is Kamara, Hunt, Williams, Geo, and Gaskin. And ultimately, I'm going to land on Kamara, Geo, and Hunt. So that's, that's set in at running back. Looking at quarterback, there's a couple options I'm okay with. I'm very good with Joe Burrow at 7-6. Usually in a cash quarterback, what I want is someone who has a high floor. Usually that high floor comes with some mobility and is in a good enough matchup and in a decent enough game script where it's likely to be a competitive game throughout. I like Burrow this week a lot in cash games. If I'm spending up, I'm probably going to Russell Wilson. Hard for me to justify Jackson against the Steelers. I think he's more of a tournament play. Rodgers, if they get up too early... Might not be able to get there for 8.4. Tannehill I'm okay with at 7.5, but there is a concern that this just becomes a Henry game and he doesn't have to throw. So I think it's clearly Burrow and Russell Wilson, in my view, that are the best quarterback plays. A wide receiver, a wide receiver I think there's several more you can consider. I like A.J. Brown at 7.5, Keenan Allen at 7.4. I like both Cincinnati receivers, Boyd at 6.4 and Higgins at 6. I like Ayuk a lot without Debo at 5.9. I like Ruggs at 5, or sorry, I like Landry at 5.8. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I do not like Henry Ruggs in cash games. Please no. Uh, love Henry Ruggs in tournaments, but I do not want 
three targets a game, all of them for 50 yards in my cash game lineup. And then I think you could consider going down to Traquan at 5.3 or Deontay Harris at 4.7. But to me, with Gio Bernard there at 5.9, you don't have to. So the guys I'd really be looking at as considerations are Keenan Allen, A.J. Brown, Deontay, sorry, not Deontay Johnson, as every freaking other week I play Deontay Johnson in cash, but it's Keenan, it's Brown, it's Higgins, it's Boyd, it's Ayuk, and it's Landry. Those are the guys I'd be looking at. That's T. Higgins, not Rashard Higgins. Then at tight end, guys I'm looking at, probably Darren Waller at 6.8 is as much as I would pay up. I also like Fant at 5.7, Cook at 5.8, Harrison Bryant at 5K. So how do we turn that into a lineup? Okay, so my base lineup, I went with Burrow, Kamara, Bernard, Ayuk, Landry, Keenan Allen, Waller, Hunt. And at defense, I just punted. I went with the Lions. They're 3400 That's super cheap this week. Home defense against the Colts. Phillip Rivers, if they can get him a negative game script, he'll, he'll chuck some picks. And it's not like the Colts are so explosive that they'll really hurt you. So that's, that's my cash build right there. I did two other pivot lineups off of that. One of them, I put in Russell Wilson at quarterback, and I put in Noah Fant at tight end. That's just a straight 2v2 swap. Everything I'll say is the same. Spend an extra $1,100 at quarterback, save it at tight end, and you can make that decision yourself, right? Like, if you're only playing one cash lineup, do you want Burrow-Waller? Do you want Russ-Fant? Myself, I prefer the Burrow-Waller lineup, but I don't want to just play cash uh, with one lineup, so I'm going to do both of those. Then the other is a 3v3 swap. So... It's Allen, Waller, and the Lions D for A.J. Brown, Jared Cook, and the Chargers D. Again, do I think this lineup is considerably better with Brown, with Cook, and the Chargers D versus Allen, Waller, and the Lions D? I don't, personally. I really do prefer Waller, and I think Keenan is actually a mildly better play than A.J. Brown, even though they're priced very similarly. I think Keenan's just safer with his target volume. So I like that first cash lineup the best, but I like those other two, obviously, the next most, and I'm going to play all three ultimately this week. So now that I have that cash set up, right, and we're going to go off of that first lineup, how do you convert that into something you can play in tournaments? So if I just want to sort of create a correlated cash lineup, you know, that's pretty, or a correlated tournament lineup, sorry, that's pretty similar to that cash lineup, Here's where I'd look. I go, okay, well, Joe Burrow is my cash game quarterback. He's my favorite cash game quarterback. And I like Bernard. I said I liked Higgins, even though we didn't quite make it into a lineup. So let's stack that game. So we're going to do Burrow, Bernard, Higgins. Okay? Then typically you'd slot in A.J. Brown as a bringback option, right? He was one of my cash game considerations I like him quite a bit. We look at Hunt, Waller, right? That's a correlative piece, right? Hunt on the Browns, Waller, they're playing Oakland. Great correlative piece, slot that in. Two players I like. Camara I like. We'll pair him with the Saints D. Right, and then what do we have left there? A wide receiver. If we have A.J. Brown there, we'd be left with, I think, $5,300, $5,200, something like that at wide receiver. Actually, $5,400 at wide receiver. So how could we make that, you know, just slightly less filled with a bunch of you know, cash plays, really, and keep it correlative. Well, the way I would do it is I'd look at, hey, I really wanted to play Keenan Allen in my cash lineup. Let's just sub him in for A.J. Brown. We got $5,400. We'll do Corey Davis instead as the bring back. 
And there you have a really, really chalky lineup that's going to be highly projected. But you could play this in a small field single entry tournament because you at least have one sort of leverage point. And it's not a leverage point in terms of ownership because Keenan Allen's going to be super highly owned. But if people are playing a Burrow-Bernard-Higgins lineup, they're going to have A.J. Brown in that high-priced wide receiver slot, not Keenan Allen. So being able to keep it correlative with Corey Davis at $5,400 and then put in Allen when other lineups would have Brown, you're getting that really small edge that in like an 80 to 100 person field makes this a viable lineup. Okay, so what if you want to play, you know, a bit of a larger tournament? You still don't want to play a super weird lineup, so you don't want to go play the Sunday Million necessarily. You want to play like a 300, 400 kind of entry tournament. So you probably want to stick with some cashy plays, with some chalky plays, because those are the best projected plays. But you want to try and get a little bit weirder, okay? So I'm going to stack the same game, okay? But this time we're going to do the other side, which I think will be a little bit less out. So we'll play Tanhill. We'll play A.J. Brown. This time we're going to go Tyler Boyd as the bring back, right? And we want to get access to Cleveland and Vegas. So we play Hunt. But this time I go, okay, well, the natural pivot is you play Hunt Waller, right? And then I would do Tannehill, Brown, Corey Davis, Tyler Boyd. For the same salary, I can flip that a little bit and go, I'm going to do Jonu Smith actually in tight end. And I'm going to do Henry Ruggs as the wide receiver. That allows me to have Kareem Hunt, Henry Ruggs, that correlates. And Tannehill, A.J. Brown, Jonu Smith with Tyler Boyd bring back, that correlates. That's the exact same salary, I believe. Is what a Tannehill, A.J. Brown, T. Higgins, Corey Davis with Hunt and Waller would be. So you're still kind of in that same range, but you're just switching it up a little bit by using the tight end in the one game and then going to Ruggs instead of Corey Davis to play with Kareem Hunt. It correlates. It's got a lot of highly projected plays. And you have two games that you're kind of stacking a little bit. But now it's a little bit more off of the typical construction that... Maybe you could definitely. This is still a lineup that I would probably prefer to play in like an 80 to 100 person kind of field contest, but I think you can get away with this in a decently small field, two to 300 person contest. How do I fill up the rest of my lineup? I'm slotting in Camara, but then that leaves me with $8,600, which is perfect. I can play Miles Gaskin at running back. Tough matchup, a good workload, and hopefully the matchup keeps his ownership down, and I can stack that with the Miami defense. So once again, everything correlates except for Kamara. You know, I would prefer to correlate with Kamara. I don't like to leave a chalky piece like him totally as a one-off. But I think everything else fits so nicely you can get away with it. And that's a really nice lineup there. And then lastly, okay, now we want to enter the Sunday Million. So we want to get a little bit, a little bit more strange. Okay? How can we get to that? How can we get to a slightly more bizarre, let's say, construction. So with this one, what we're going to do, we're going to start with Justin Herbert as quarterback, right? Now I don't want to just stack a really popular game. I'm going to get to a little bit of a more under-owned game, but at similar price points, right? Remember, Burrow was 76 and A.J. Brown was 75, right? Those were players who were using that other stack. So now we're going to play Herbert, 77, Keenan, 74. We're going to play Mike Williams at 59, okay? And then we're going to do the bring back with Fant. 
Once again, we're going to do the same thing where we're going to get access to the Vegas-Cleveland game, but we're going to fade Waller, who I think is going to be the most owned piece in that game, maybe outside of Hunt. And this time we're actually going to fade them both. We're going to play the same game, so if it goes off, we have access. But we're going to play Jacobs instead of Hunt, and we're going to play Rashard Higgins. Okay? So it's the same idea, right? We're stacking one game in a three with one, and then we're stacking a one-one on Vegas-Cleveland. But instead of doing Hunt with an Oakland bring back, typically Waller, now we're going to do Jacobs with Higgins, and then we're going to do Herbert, Allen, Williams, Fant. Okay? Now what are we left with? We're left with $11,000. That leaves us enough room for Jamal Williams, who, funny enough, is kind of a pivot off of Geo once again this week, although he's $1,000 more expensive, so I think he probably won't be his owned because people that want to play one of those replacements from last week will go down to Geo. And I'm just going to stack him with the Green Bay defense for $4,000, right? Let's say that that game is really popular and it just doesn't go off because Green Bay blows them out. Awesome. We get access to Jamal Williams, who in that game script would probably be the best play, and we get the Green Bay defense. And that gives us leverage off of Thielen. It gives us leverage off of Adams. It gives us leverage off of Jefferson. The way we played Vegas-Cleveland gives us leverage off of Hunt and Waller. And then playing Herbert, Williams, Allen, and Fant as a stack gives us leverage over a lot of things because I don't think that that's going to be a super popular build. So we get an under-owned game stack, and then we get leverage on two other games, and then, of course, Kamara ends up in that lineup once again as a one-off. So that's a way where we can play cashy plays in every single lineup, right? In this one, we had Kamara, Allen, and Fant. Those are all in my cash pool, right? Three players in my cash pool. The other ones who were still using, you know, A.J. Brown, we were using Gio Bernard, we were using Kareem Hunt. All these lineups had three or five players in my cash pool. And yet, I think we got the lineups that all correlate really well with each other. Some that have some minor leverage points that you can play in small fields. And then that one, which I'm going to use that as my Sunday Million lineup. I'm going to do 25 of them, but that'll be the official one of the podcast. Herbert Jacobs, Kamara Allen, Mike Williams, Rashard Higgins, Fant, Jamal Williams, and the Green Bay defense. That's a, that's a lineup that is a kick-ass lineup, in my opinion, for large field entries. So, all we got left here, we're going to do some quick plays of the week. Although, the thing I caution when I do these plays of the week is it really is about the construction, right? Right? It's more about the construction. So, Hunt, awesome play. When you're playing with Waller in a tournament, you're building the same way as a lot of other people, right? So, it's not just the plays you make, but it's how you use the plays. And that's why I wanted to go into construction today. But, I'll still give out some plays of the week. Four tournaments. I already gave my cash pool. So at quarterback, my tournament quarterback of the week for a second straight week. And it was really great last week. It's Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is my quarterback this week in tournaments because I think he has just as much upside as Burrow and Tannehill, even more possibly. And I do think he'll be less owned just because the game environment isn't as great. My other tournament quarterback is still Joe Burrow. He was also fantastic last week. And I think that there are ways to get to that game because it's my favorite game on the slate, you know, in a way that will not totally kill you going too chalky. So it's Herbert and Burrow at quarterback. At running back, it's Josh Jacobs. I think he's a great avenue where you play Josh Jacobs to get some leverage off of Hunt and Waller. I'm sure Jacobs will be very popular himself, 
but I think he's a fantastic tournament play with sky-high upside if Oakland ends up winning that game. And I do think that there's going to be a lot of Hunt-Waller constructions, and Jacobs at least is a little bit of leverage off that, even if he's pretty popular himself. I didn't play him in the tournament lineups we were setting up, but I'm going to play a lot of him this week. So, my other tournament play, drumroll, is Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor of the Colts, they're playing at the Lions this week. They have been very giving to running backs, and Jonathan Taylor, coming off his bye, he's disappointed the last few weeks. He's disappointed repeatedly in DFS. What if, rookie, coming off the bye, this is the week they decide to give him a full workhorse workload, and at $7,300 against the Lions indoors, he's in a terrific spot. So I'm going to be playing a lot of Jonathan Taylor this week in tournaments. A wide receiver. My favorite play at wide receiver this week is Brandon Ayuk. He is probably my favorite cash play. He's probably my favorite tournament play. He's my favorite whatever play. Going against Seattle, no Debo Samuel, $5,900. He is, I think, a clear top 12 wide receiver play overall on the slate, and he's priced below 6000 So he's a jam for me. I'm going to jam in Brandon Ayuk. My other favorite wide receiver play this week in tournaments is Corey Davis. Corey Davis got 10 targets last week in a game that A.J. Brown played in. He got 10 targets back in week one when A.J. Brown was playing in that game. He is an integral part of this offense that has gotten more and more pass-heavy. He gives you leverage off of A.J. Brown. He gives you leverage off of of Derrick Henry. And at $5,400, he's drastically underpriced for his workload. So give me Ayuk and give me Corey Davis. At tight end, my favorite tournament tight end play this week. Probably going to look at Jared Cook. Probably going to look at Jared Cook. He's the last man standing. I think a lot of people, when the wide receivers get injured, they go to the other wide receivers. So they'll play Traquan, they'll play Deontay Harris. And while Cook should still be popular, I still don't think he'll be popular enough with you know Bryant sucking up ownership down at 5K and then Waller up at 6K. So I'll give me Jared Cook as my favorite. Noah Fant would be my other one at 5.7. Finally, your defense. I obviously will not play this defense with Jonathan Taylor, but give me the Detroit defense as my punt defense at 3.4K. Everything I said about how the Colts could get ahead and run Jonathan Taylor could be the total opposite, right? This is a tight spread game. The Lions get ahead. Put Phillip Rivers in negative game scripts. He'll start chucking picks. So I'll play the Lions defense. Not in any lineups with Taylor, of course, but I'll play a lot of the Lions defense. And my other favorite is the New Orleans defense at 3.6K, another cheap option going against Chicago. Chicago gives up so much pressure on the quarterback. Their O-line is in shambles, and Nick Foles just does not get rid of the ball fast enough. So give me the Saints. Give me the Lions. Quick recap. Quick recap. Quarterbacks, Burrow and Herbert. At running back, Jonathan Taylor and Josh Jacobs. At wide receiver, it's Brandon Ayuk and Corey Davis. And at tight end, it's Cook and Fant. And at defense this week, it's New Orleans and the Lions. Hit me up on Twitter, FF underscore RTDB. By this evening, once I know a better hold on ownership, I'll be releasing some more info. Make sure you listen and enjoy playing. But just remember, this one last important thing. There's a fight going on out there, gentlemen. Why don't you get in it? Clear eyes, full hearts. Get in!